You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Would you close your eyes for a moment with me? Let us breathe in the breath of God. Breathe in his breath. Breathe in his grace. And breathe out his praise. Would you repeat this prayer with me? Dear Lord, open my mind and heart to receive your word today that I may apply it In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. There's a man, I'll just say his name's Fred, and he's well known for crashing parties. He's been known to crash presidential um, inaugurations, the Grammys, weddings, funerals, and he's really, really good at it. He's, He's a professional at it, by the way, and he just plays the part. He dresses the part, and he just shows up. I started thinking to myself, you know, I've done a lot of weddings over the years. I've done a lot of funerals over the years. And I wonder how many times there's been a crasher there, a party crasher. I wouldn't say that a funeral is necessarily a party, but in some instances it is, especially for those who believe in Christ because it is a party. It's a celebration that that person is now in eternity. And so I started thinking about another party that the disciples were having after Jesus had died and was in the tomb. And the women had seen that he had resurrected, but they really didn't know for sure yet. So they were having a different kind of party, a pity party. Have you ever had a pity party? Come on. A pity party. Oh, woe was me. I, I wasn't invited to the party. Oh, well, they liked everybody else's you know, thing on Facebook, but they didn't like mine. They must not be friends with me anymore. They must have something against me. And we have that pity party, don't we? Well, the disciples were having that pity party until Jesus got there. And it was a different kind of party when he showed up. In fact, things were no longer gloomy. Jesus, he showed up and totally changed the atmosphere, as he always does, as he does when we show up here at Misty Creek, whether we're online, inside, outside, when we show up and we walk through these spiritual doors or we open our hearts and we pray to receive him and his spirit, a party begins when we can't contain ourselves. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And it is exhilarating. And that's exactly what's happening as Jesus appeared to his disciples. You know, after his crucifixion, his crucifixion, they were trying to sort things out. They'd heard about him appearing to the women, but yet they hadn't seen him. And then he shows up. And at first, they're probably saying, is it a ghost? Is this for real? Now, last week, we talked about doubting Thomas, and we're not going to spend any more time on that. But it's important for us to see that at first, it was difficult for all of his followers to deal with Christ's resurrection, even though he had told them, even though they knew in their heart of hearts They'd witnessed his miracles. They knew he had the authority of God. They knew he was the Messiah. Still, they had never witnessed a resurrection other than Lazarus. 
This was a big deal because they had watched from a distance, by the way, Jesus die a horrible death. So they're gathered together in this room together, and voila, the crucified Christ is standing right there. So the disciples, they're scared, they're frightened, they don't know what to do. They said to him, is it really you? He says to them, why are you questioning so much in your hearts? He could read their minds. He knew what they were thinking. See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. This artwork you see here represents the piercing, the scars of Jesus. Preston Shirley did this artwork for us. We have a whole series of it. And you might be thinking, why are you bringing that out? The crucifixion is over. It's Easter. We're about the resurrection now. We don't need to see any more scars. Just hold on for a moment, and you'll understand why that artwork's here today. He says to them, see my hands and my feet. It is I myself. The response of the disciples is a sermon in and of itself. I could do a series on just their response. Luke tells us that they disbelieved for joy. It was simply too wonderful to be true. He was alive and he was with them right there in their presence. He had been raised from the dead talking about bringing life to a party. He brought life to the party. No wonder they had difficulty believing. Some people still have difficulty believing today. Many desperately want to believe, but something holds them back. See my hands? See my feet, Jesus says. Greg Boyle, he's a Jesuit priest who has spent decades ministering in the toughest neighborhoods in Los Angeles. He is the founder of Homeboy Industries, which provides jobs and counseling to young men who have been released from prison. In an interview, Boyle told the story of Jose, a young man from the streets. When Jose was six years old, his mother told him to kill himself because nobody wanted him. This is a true story. Nobody wants you. Do you know what that feels like? Have you ever encountered anything like that in your life? Some of you have, haven't you? You felt like nobody wanted you. Nobody needed you. Nobody cared about you. And you felt lost and alone. Can you imagine a six-year-old feeling that way? Hmm. When he was nine... His mother abandoned him at the front door of an orphanage. His grandmother assumed custody of Jose, but she beat him brutally. It's no wonder that Jose grew up and he, he turned to drugs and gangs and eventually crime with his painful past. He ended up in prison, which turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened to him because it was there that he heard the message of Jesus. Through a prison ministry, he learned that Jesus was the sole embodiment of God's love and that he came to die for us on the cross to take away our sins and give us a new life. As Jose told Greg Bowl about his background, he showed him some of his scars, the scars that were left behind in his childhood after he was beat by his own mother and grandmother. The gangs, the drugs, the rough living, and being homeless for a while. Since he found Jesus, though, Jose was no longer ashamed of his scars. As he said, 
How could I help other wounded people if I did not make friends of my own wounds? Hmm. There are times, and I want you to hear this. Here comes my pastoral care side. There are times when we are made strong in our weakness to be a source of healing for others. I want you to let that soak in for a moment. There are times in our weakness that we are made a source of healing for others. We make our deepest connection with God and others through our experience of suffering, our shared experience of suffering. All of us here have suffered something. We've been through something that's caused us possibly to have a pity party. And when we begin to share that experience with others, Doug has shared his experience with us. He shared with us a milestone today, and we rejoiced with him. Do you know how much more tangible and touchable and real that makes Doug Allen to me and to you? Really? You know, I too know exactly what it's like to feel thrown away, no longer needed, and no longer wanted. And Doug and I are going to share a little bit more of that with you next week during our two-year anniversary and how out of woundedness and brokenness and being thrown away, how God made beauty for ashes and he created the most wonderful church body, Misty Creek Community Church. You see, that's the business that he's in. He wants us to know, don't be ashamed of your scars. I wear mine proudly. He still had them when he showed up to the disciples. He still had those scars. I'm going to tell you something else. The only cure to suffering is to lean into its pain. Now, you may not understand that. You see, Jesus leaned into his pain. He received it. He accepted it. And we need to lean into Jesus because he knows. Jesus knows about suffering and pain and being thrown away and being a nobody. He knows what that's like. Your God, your Savior, the lawgiver, the sustainer, the creator of all of humankind decided to live within weak, fragile human limitations so that he could experience what it's like to be wounded and paralyzed and hurt and thrown away and scarred. You talk about a God who can empathize with you. That's the God that you serve. And he is alive and he is all, he's well and he's resurrected and he lives among you. And he's breathing in your very lungs right now through the power of his Holy Spirit. So we need to lean in to Jesus. He can take it. He can take all your pain, all your issues. He can take it. He knows what it's like. The reason Jesus showed the disciples his scars because he was going to send them out to do the work the Father had sent him to do to save wounded people. <laughs> and they couldn't save wounded people unless they could see and touch and make friends with Jesus' wounds. So come on and touch it, Thomas. Touch my nail-scarred hands. Touch the holes in my feet. Touch my pierced side. Touch my bruised brow. Go ahead. Touch me. He's touchable. 
and he's tangible. You might wonder sometimes, man, Doug and Stephen sure do love to hug people a lot. And we do. We found ourselves even doing it in the pandemic. You know, you got those people. I'm not criticizing them. You know, well, you got, you got that, you know. I'll be honest with you. One of the reasons I did get both injections, because I do work in the medical field, but because there are times when I want to embrace people. Especially a little 92-year-old man that's up in Smyrna. He was in his last days. He's the last living member of his family. He doesn't have a wife. He has no children. So you're doing right. When he wants me to hug him, I'm going to hug him. We love to hug the body of Christ. That's why we hug. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers hug. Yes, you heard a reference from Tommy Boy. Sorry about that. You knew it was coming. Brian's out under the tent. He knows I'm going to say something about pop culture. It always happens. So they knew they couldn't help save wounded people unless they made friends with Jesus' wounds. Only then could they proclaim with confidence the limitless love of God. You know, many people desperately want to believe, but something holds them back. Maybe if they could see his scars, it would make a difference. Why? Several reasons. For one thing, some people have difficulty believing that God really cares about hurting people that much. That he would give his life for them. That he cares that much. The idea of a God with nail prints in his hands and feet and side because of his great love for us is an idea that many people, they're just not ready for. Jesus' resurrected body shows us, showed the disciples, that the triumph over life, over death, is not a victory without a cost. There was a cost to his triumph over death. God's love for us required that he humble himself, give up his power and authority, take on human form, and suffer humiliation and injustice and persecution and torture and death to save us. He faced all of that. Victory didn't erase the scars. Hmm. He continued to carry on his very skin the evidence of a life lived in radical commitment to God's love and justice. How outrageous are the claims of the gospel? The divine creator of us all that lives and moves and has its being, came down to earth and suffered and died to say to us that no one on earth is beyond God's love and concern. Do you hear that out there? No one on this earth is beyond God's love and concern. No one. As long as you have breath, you are of sacred value and worth. You have a place in the kingdom. And God wants you for his very own. He wants you to receive his son, Jesus Christ, so that you may have that promise of eternity where there's a party all the time, where there's a celebration all the time. There are no pity parties. There's no pain. There's no grief. There's no sorrow. There's no tears. God does a brand new thing by opening heaven's gates 
for you and I to have the most unexplainable, incomprehensible fellowship and intimacy with Jesus. But guess what? You can have that right now. You can have that intimacy and that relationship with the Messiah. Wounds, scars, and all. Inadequacies and everything else. You just have to say yes to him and follow him. Serve him and serve the least of these. Make a difference in this world for him. In trying to deal with the meaning of the cross on which Christ died, the early church came to understand that those nail prints in the hands and feet of the master should have been ours. Should have been us. But God so loved the world that he sent his own son to bear the burden brought by the iniquities of us all. Can you deal with that? Like Jack Nicholson says, can you handle it? Can you handle the truth? Well, can you? <laughs> Clint Eastwood showed up. <laughs> what was that Ronald Reagan? <laughs> well, Nancy. You know, they just show up every now and then. Can you believe that God really cares and loves you that much? He does. A few years, a few years ago... The Christian Century magazine carried the story of a young Yale Divinity School student named Lou Marshall. Marshall moved into a poor and violent neighborhood in New York City to work with gang members. At one point, Marshall was able to negotiate a temporary truce between the two rival gangs. It was miraculous. One gang was the, uh, the Young Untouchables and the other gang was the Playboys. But on his way home from the mediation talks... Four gang members who resisted the truce attacked Lou Marshall and they beat him unconscious on the street. Two days later, Marshall died. At his memorial service, Reverend Howard Moody summed up the tragedy of the event like this. Some people will say that the crumbling pavement on which he died wasn't worth his life. So full of promise and hope. Others might say that he was foolish to become involved in a way that was so dangerous. Still, I believe that street has been made more holy because a man's blood was shed, a man who had the courage to stand there for what he believed was right. Jesus' courage was rooted in his love for humanity. He knew we could never be good enough by our own efforts to stand in the presence of a holy God. So he covered our sins with his blood and made us perfect in God's sight. He paid for our sins to set us free from the power of death forever. He did that for you and I. It's just like a judge a few years ago in Fairfax County, Virginia, who heard a landlord-tenant dispute for a landlord who wanted to evict a deaf couple who couldn't afford to pay their back rent. Judge Donald McDonough was accustomed to dealing with more than a hundred landlord-tenant disputes on an average Friday. So this, is, this was not the first time that he was called upon to pass judgment on a situation like this. But there was something about this deaf couple and their grim situation that touched Judge McDonough's heart. 
Before he rendered judgment, he excused himself from the bench and he went back to his chambers. A few minutes later, he returned with $250, the exact amount of money the deaf couple owed in back rent. He handed it to the landlord's attorney as he pronounced his judgment, consider it paid. Consider it paid. What beautiful words. Consider it paid. Those are the words Christ speaks to us. Our sins, our debts, our failures, consider it paid. The empty grave, the empty cross, the wounds of Jesus' hands, his feet, his side, those are all physical reminders of God's ultimate announcement to humanity. Consider it paid. That's how much God loves us. You cannot outlove him. You cannot outgive him. Consider it paid. And yes, it is hard to believe that God loves us that much, but his scars are a reminder of how much he loves us. What if Jesus really did rise from the grave? What does that mean for our lives today? What it means for me is that I'm here, that you are here. That all of humanity is here. I do not believe that we would be in existence, at least the way we are right now, had Christ not resurrected from the dead. But it happened. It's true. There's nothing more empirical in this world than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for those who deny that, boy, oh boy, are they missing out, aren't they? They are missing out. So we've got work to do. And it's not beat it into people. It's serving them and loving them. That's what it's all about. Do you know that today, right outside, I'm looking right now at Marjan and Ariana and Omid with their precious child. They are here. Do you know what they endured to come here, to profess the Christian faith coming from Iran, and yet they publicly profess Christ as their Savior daily. Do they have scars and wounds? Yes, they do. Plenty of them. Do they live in constant fear? Not anymore. Not anymore. Because they know who has claimed them, who has called them, who has equipped them to fight any battle. That comes their way. They are a living, breathing testimony of how God moves amongst his creation through his faithful, the faithful remnant. And by the way, that remnant is much larger than you think it is. I love Jeff's prayer this morning because if you watch and listen too much to what's out there, you might think, where are they? Where are the believers? Where is the body of Christ? Let me just say this. We are everywhere. We're not going anywhere because He is everywhere. And His purpose and His will will always be accomplished no matter what anybody says or does. He is in control. He is in charge. And the truth will not be compromised. You might try to, but it will not happen. 
Because the only ones that will listen to that are the ones who have surrendered to the world and the powers of this world. You see, we are not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Man, don't you love hearing the truth? Not watered down, not compromised. You see what God does when we surrender to him and we listen to his authority and we surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Former disgraced presidential advisor and prison ministry founder Chuck Colson tells of visiting one of his mentors, Ken Westner. A few days before Westner's death, Westner had been a successful businessman, a, a CEO of the Service Master Corporation. After his retirement, Wester dedicated a lot of his time and energy to a variety of ministries. Now he was dying of kidney cancer. But he wasn't scared or self-pitying or sad. He had a peace and joy that comforted all those around him. People went in to minister to him, and he was ministering more to them because of his faith and because of his peace. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've encountered that with people in the hospital and in hospice and assisted living places. I go in to provide care to them, and they care more for me. Their witness is amazing, and that's God. And so you got this man. He, he's a multimillionaire. He has the greatest peace, not because of his fortune. Matter of fact, he's already decided to donate most of his fortune and all of his houses and places that he has to not just family, but he's decided to sell a lot of that and use the proceeds to help others. And he had this great peace about him as he's dying of kidney cancer. He had a peace and joy that just permeated him. A few days later, Westner called his close friend, Ken Hansen, also a big-time businessman, who was dying. Wesner's wife reports that the two men spoke with joy about meeting Jesus soon, about having new bodies without any pain or weakness. And this is pretty, pretty amazing. Hansen said, I'm going to be so happy to get rid of all that material stuff that I've been holding on to for all these years. It's been holding me back. I'm so glad it's not going with me. That's a matter of perspective, isn't it? He was more excited about encountering Jesus and the joy that brings than whether he's going to have any mansion or any golden street or anything like that. That's why I believe, and the Bible confirms this, that the kingdom of heaven, eternity, is inconceivable, incomprehensible. You might think you know, but you don't know. And that's the wonderful mystery that God has reserved for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and we serve him. That he has something inconceivable, incomprehensible awaiting us. But we do know this. We will be with him. There's no place I'd rather be than with Jesus. I used to go into my mother's old creaky bedroom in her old, old house on the homestead. And I'd, you know, I, a couple of times I'd interrupted her, and she'd be on her knees on that wood-bearing floor. And I'd say, oh, I'm sorry, Grandmother. And she'd say, come on in. This is a good time. i said, what you doing, Grandmama? I'm talking to Jesus. Do you want to come talk to Jesus with me? I posted something last night about that in this song that Elevation Worship has out that's just unbelievable. And I'll never forget that. You mean I can just talk to Jesus like that, Grandmama? Yeah. He's here. He's right here next to my bed. So I'm getting next to the bed next to my grandmama, Alan. My mama's watching this. She knows it's true. Mama did it too. Hmm. 
You know where she is right now? She's not just kneeling at Jesus. She's hanging out with Jesus. She's with Jesus. You know? Faithfulness. Like grandmother on wood, bo- bo- wood <laughs> bare floor. She had that old wood bare floor. But you know what's that's funny? That's come back. People are putting in their houses now. They're getting this old flooring and putting it in their new beautiful home that looks terrible, but it actually is cool in the new home, the farmhouse. I'm like, wow, who ever thunk it? There are people wanting to buy her old floor in her house for an obscene amount of money. I'm like, that is rotten. It's no good. We love it. We want it. You know, God wants you, whether you're rotten, whether you're perfect, you're not perfect, but you might think you are. He wants you just as you are. And so you got these two men dying together, full of joy. You're thinking, what in the world? Why do they have this peace and this comfort? Because their faith, their faith in God and Jesus' sacrifice, these men could face their death with all the joy and confidence in the world. Hmm. How's it going to be for you when that time comes? Is it going to be a celebration or is it going to be a pity party? Are you going to be able to assure your loved ones This is not it. This is just the beginning. And one day you'll come with me and you'll be with me and we'll celebrate together this incomprehensible, inconceivable eternity that God has in store for all of us. No wonder Jesus had to crash their pity party. They had seen the hands and feet of the risen Christ and they knew that there is more to life and death. Those who live their lives in the light of eternity never run out of a purpose for life. You always have a purpose. See my hands and my feet, said Christ to his fearful disciples. God really does love us that much. Life really does go on beyond the tomb. How shall you live in response to these two truths? Do you not know that your debt has been paid in full, that there is nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God through Christ Jesus? Nothing. Not death, not life, not past, nor present, nor future, not angels, nor demons, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Nothing. So your debt's been paid by the precious blood that Jesus spilled. The curse of sin no longer has a hold on you. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Do you want to be free? Do you want to experience all that God has in store for you? then now's the time. Don't wait any longer. Let's surrender to the man of sorrows. I want you to repeat after me. You can do it silently, loud, however you want to do it. Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for giving your own son so that I can have life, the promise of eternal life. I know it was painful for you. I know you still have the scars, the wounds. Lord, I can identify with being wounded, being hurt. And I'm thankful 
that you already know. You know my situation more fully than anybody. Today, Lord, I will not let that woundedness, that fear, that inadequacy hold me back any longer. I will not let it paralyze me. Today, I surrender it all to you. I want to be set free. Take from me right now, Lord, anything that's holding me back. Release me. Give me freedom, Lord, to experience you in all of your fullness and all of your glory. You are my resurrected king. You have resurrected me, and I have new life, abundant life. And I cannot thank you enough and praise you enough for all that you've done for me. But I promise you this. I'm going to go do likewise. I'm going to go share your love with everybody I come in contact with. I'm going to serve you for the rest of my days. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give back. I'm not going to hoard. I'm not going to take. I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm going to give. Just like you, freely, not expecting a thing in return. Because I know you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. Great is my reward in heaven for serving you and being generous. And I claim that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.